Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome back to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast brought to you by Manscaped. More on that in a second, but it's just a quick episode today after two Europa League games since we last spoke to you. It was perhaps a, a, an unsurprisingly dull game against Lasklins of Austria. Uh, United did win, but did not really entertain. And then the quarterfinal that followed was a, a strange one. Uh, United could have, could have won 5-0 but they could just have easily have gone out to a late goal against Danish opposition or taken it to penalties. In the end, we won 1-0, so we're discussing that win against Copenhagen. If you want to support the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, share it with your mates, or if you're interested, check out Manscaped, our sponsors, the best in the business for men's below-the-belt grooming. Use the code UTDWEEKLYPOD, that's P-O-D at the end there, to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Your family jewels will thank you. Let's go on with the show now and move from men's balls to, uh, well... A, a different kind of men's balls. Let's talk the Europa. Uh, United could be as little as 180 minutes from a trophy, which would be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first as manager. It, it would be it would be really special. And I think we said that at the start of the season. Winning a, a trophy with Solskjaer as manager would be something um, very memorable. Hopefully, the first of many. But uh, it, it's uh, it's a tough route to the final, or well, not just to the final, but to to the trophy. Uh, in, in all likelihood, it, it's well it's severe in the semi final, and then you would think Inter Milan in the final, and that's two two tough games. But before we preview the semi final against Sevilla, Copenhagen one nil. Um, what did you make of it? Because I think there was there was quite a lot of negativity around it, um, and I, I stayed off Twitter for the whole game, and I got to the end of it and thought that, that, that was all right. So maybe it was me me being in my non twittery bubble, but I thought United could have could have scored three or four goals. In the end, it was a quite a painful uh, win and 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 pro- progression into the the semi final, but they played all right, didn't they? Yeah, I, I tweeted straight after the game that there was inevitably going to be so much made about the performance because. You know, you see the scoreline and the headline is United failed to beat Copenhagen in normal time. And I understand that sentiment, but the actual performance was not bad at all. The first 20 minutes were bad. We you know, we were under pressure and making a lot of mistakes. And we're probably lucky to not go behind. But after that, we controlled the game and we didn't just control the game in terms of having possession. We were creating a lot of chances. 
And I don't think that some poor finishing and a good performance by Copenhagen's goalkeeper should cloud what was actually a, a good performance. It, it was, it, no, it wasn't scintillating. It wasn't us at our best that we were seeing a month or so ago, but it was a good performance. And we've definitely played a lot worse this season and won games in normal time. You know, we play like that. We play that exact game another nine times and we'll win the game every time. This is just the one out of 10 that it sometimes happens to a combination of a bit of bad luck, some poor finishing and good goalkeeping performance that you create all those chances and you don't score. Yeah, yeah. It was very... I, th- I think United obviously have to have to step it up against Sevilla, who are better than Copenhagen. And then if, if we beat Sevilla, then we'll have to play better against Inter Milan after that as well. But it was very similar to the 2017 Europa League campaign where over two legs we struggled against Anderlecht we struggled against Sevilla not Sevilla against uh, Celta Vigo and we we did get through but it it was a painful uh, progress into the final which was then a a comfortable win against Ajax and I think United actually played better against Copenhagen than we did against Celta Vigo or Anderlecht back in 2017 Yeah, I agree and even if I I think it's it's very different because it's it's a straight knockout. It's one match, one leg, and I've, I'm I'm quite enjoying it to be honest. And we'll speak about that later. Um, but I, th- I think yeah, look, we, we hit the post twice. We we scored two offside goals. The performance, yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't great, but it was fine, and it was what you need to do in a European quarterfinal, whether this is the Europa League or or the Champions League. Uh, as I said, we're not going to talk for long, but let, let's let's pick out maybe two or three of the best players of the of, of the game. And I think Anthony Martial is one when he was very quiet for a lot of it. And I think that was partly because of the a lack of service. But when he got the ball in in black boots, black shorts, looked the part, and then just took people on in 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 the way that that does make you love Martial, and it is what made us love him when he he came to United, when he's tearing past the fences and and just making people look foolish. And he didn't score from any of them. Um, he obviously did win the penalty. He probably could have shot a, a fraction of a second earlier in in a couple of the chances, but he was he's just so good to watch at times. Oh, Martial is, is brilliant to watch when he's in top top form. I mean, some of the things he does with the ball at his feet are just mesmerising. Some of those mazy runs that he he went on, and two in particular, one just directly before the penalty where he went past about three people mm. and uh, his shot was saved by the keeper and he, he gets up and wins the penalty. And there was one in, in normal time too, right at the end. We thought he was going to win it for us. And I, obviously it's easy to say the criticism is that he should be scoring and he should have been scoring, but... He is just a lot of fun to watch Yeah, when he's in full flight, when he's running at people with the ball. He has this ability when he dribbles to keep the ball so close to his feet all the time. And it means that he can make those changes of direction so quickly. Yeah, uh, And he, he just is a lot of fun to watch. And he's becoming a, a more rounded striker as well. There were quite a few times where he would come short as well. You kind of think of Martial as someone who's best running in behind, but he, he's improving his ability to come short, get the ball from deep, from midfield, hold it up, lay it off to others or t- get it on the half turn and run at people from a bit deeper. Yeah. He's becoming a much more rounded striker and it's been really fun to watch that transformation. Yeah, and it's it, it's also, he, he does just look like he's desperate to score and it's, it's it, it kind of feels weird to say, but... We, we we can't say whether he's he's become more goal driven and and I, th- I think he probably has and I think that's partly Solskjaer's doing but we can't say that for sure but it certainly looks like when he gets on the ball 
he's much more focused on uh, on being a more direct player. It's like when he picked the ball up on the 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 left side just outside the area and and stung that that kind of powerful curling shot that was saved really well by the the Copenhagen goalkeeper uh, Johnson and that was kind of it's, it's 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 all hypotheticals isn't it but you think in the past Martial would have picked up there looked for the pass on the edge of the area or maybe gone on one of those runs into the area but he wouldn't have just got it out of his feet and, and, and got that shot away immediately he just looks really really hungry for goals and, and to make sure that he's United's top scorer this season yeah it's always, it's always been like a bit of a trope I haven't I've always hated to be honest in that you know the the common criticism of Martial is that he doesn't look interested or that you know he never smiles he never gets angry and it's it's a classic thing like Graham Souness and Roy Keane always bang on about on Sky Sports. But <laughs> there, there does, to be fair, seem to yeah. have been a change in his mentality recently. And, and you're right, he does just look desperate to score goals. You can see it even when a few of these games that we were winning comfortably, you know, around a month a month or two ago, he looks angry to be taken off, which isn't really something that you've ever seen, particularly from Martial. And I don't think it's the be all and end all when I, I don't subscribe to these theories that that is, you know, the you know the only thing to to think about but i think there is something in it uh it definitely does seem like that there has been a bit of a, a mental change from Martial in the last few months yeah and i think we're going to talk about bruno fernandes in a second but i said we'd we'd praise the good players first paul Pogba i thought was really good really involved uh especially defensively was was really important for united it's interesting because matic was was rested in favor of fred um, and, and so Pogba was had to be involved more and I think did really well in attack he was involved in most of United's good moves and I, I, when I briefly logged on to Twitter at half time and at, at full time it looked like he was getting some some criticism but I, I thought he was brilliant maybe I'm uh, losing my sight but I, I thought Pogba was, was really involved and, and really important for United and I said we talk about Fernandes in a second but especially when Fernandes was, was not just wasteful which he can often be um, but really, really off it for a long, long time in that game. And I think Pogba was was important in in dragging United forward at times, in in giving us some defensive protection at times. Everything he did, I thought he lost the ball a couple of times, but that, that's natural. But everything he he did in general, I thought was was really impressive. Yeah, I thought Pogba was was very good. Honestly, I thought he did a really good job, kind of marshalling and and being the main man in that midfield. You know, I thought Fred did well. He was tidy, but he, he kind of does what Fred does, and he's very tidy, but doesn't set the world alight. I think Pogba, you're right. There are there are a few moments where he gives the ball away, which is kind of natural for what his game is. But what I liked about it is that he was very much the driving force behind us going forward a lot of the times. He was passing forward and quickly and defensively. Yeah. You're right. He was kind of all over the place as well, and, and I mean that in a good sense, not that positionally he was yeah. all over the place, but that he he covered a lot of ground and was really you know, in a lot of places uh, and like kind of getting in the, in the passing lanes for Copenhagen, he was breaking up a lot of attacks and then starting up our counter attacks too. I thought he was good. I actually quite like the look of a Pogba Fred midfield. I, I don't think it can work every week, but I think it's quite nice. It's quite fun to watch them almost. I think they complement each other quite nicely in the way that they play. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Bruno was, was wasteful, and I, I think we've always we've always had this in, in that he, he can lose the ball fourteen, fifteen times in a game, but get two assists and, and score twice. And it's it's the nature of of his play. Um, he, he's 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 been so good for United. Um, 
but you you do and and I'm I'm hesitant to say this because I'm not I'm not going to count the penalty because although he's he's a great penalty taker credit for that but to be honest that's that's not a reflection on on his game that much um but I'm still hesitant to to describe him like this because he still forced a couple of good saves he still played a couple of of good passes created a few chances but he did just look off it well. and it yeah, and and there was the, the one moment in particular where United, I think, were I think it was probably three on three, um, but he just had to lay it off to Greenwood, who was on his right, and he just completely the pass just kind of dribbled into the Copenhagen defender's path. It was like his legs and, almost like fell out from under him. Yeah, yeah, it was it was as if he he just lost all energy at that point, um, which is is something I'm sure we can all relate to. And, and look, it was a an incredibly hot environment in which to play. Thirty one degrees, one hundred twenty minutes of football, sure. But I think for the last five or six games, he has been wasteful, and that's that's that that is allowed. Um, but he he does he just looks tired, and and I think what is positive is that Pogba stepped up in in not his absence, but in the yeah. absence of Bruno Fernandez's quality. Uh, so did Martial. Greenwood had some some good spells, even though he kind of drifted in and out. He had a couple of ten minute spells where he was really involved, including an unbelievable finish. For what was offside, um, but yeah, go. Your thoughts on Bruno? Well, to be fair, I think the other thing with with Pogba, Pogba's role in that game as well. What I enjoyed was the the, the partnership between Bruno and Pogba is still improving as well. And there were still quite yeah. a few moments where you know Pogba would find Bruno between the lines and allow us to progress the ball, and it does look okay. I guess my worry with Bruno Fernandez, and it, it's not worth getting into this fully at the moment. We can talk about this more. On, sort of the season review and then looking ahead to next season. But I guess the worry for me with Bruno is have the last or five or six games where, you know, he hasn't been at his best probably since, when was it? Probably since the Southampton game, I would say, where he hasn't been at his best. Is that just him being tired, which is, you know, completely understandable. He's played almost every minute of every one of our games since he's joined. Or is it more a regression to the mean? You know, is it that the initial sort of 10, 15 games when he first signed well, the outlier and this is what we should be expecting from him from now on. And I guess that is the worry that this is what's actually more indicative of who Bruno Fernandes is going forward, yeah. which is still not a bad player. As we said, even in these bad, we said bad in quote marks and bad performances, he's still creating a lot. He created a lot of chances for us. There's a few moments where it's inches away from connecting with Martial. He hit the post, as we said, for some good saves, but I guess long-term it's a worry that this is the norm and the early uh, stuff we saw from Fernandez is the outlier. Yeah, it, it's possible. And and to be honest, we'll have to wait and, and, and see what happens. To, uh, I, basically, Bruno Fernandez is a great player provided he can have enough touches on the ball and enough time on the ball um, to just use it so many times that it, it does come off. He's not. He's not so efficient. He's not gonna have fifteen touches in a game and make all of them go through, provide three chances and score a goal. It's not gonna happen. He's gonna have up up to a hundred touches and miss fifteen passes and 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 shoot wide two or three times, but get a goal and an assist. And, and that's that's the way it is. And United have built their team around them, um, around him, and, and and will continue to do so. And in which case, then that's fine as long as long as you know 
what the the weaknesses are, then then that's okay. Um, we're we're going to move on a second, but some some praise for first time Maguire, some great passing out wide, yeah, uh, very brilliant. accurate, not many misplaced passes, which was kind of we haven't seen that for a while. And another one who who has every right to be tired, having played every minute of the Premier League season. Um, but yeah, his his passing was really accurate out wide and and uh, provided a lot to United. It shows how how important he can be as a passer. Uh, when he's at the top of his game and Juan Mata off the bench had a great impact um, and when he was coming on I was thinking I can I can see the reasoning for bringing him on am I confident that he's going to change the game no but as it turns out he, he did within a few minutes yeah he was he was brilliant it was a bit of a throwback to you know three or four years ago when Mata was was often very very good for us and one of our best players he, he came off he did very very well he created a lot of chances for us his movement was brilliant He's just a very smart footballer and you can see that even in his sort of worst performances. But I think the problem is that often in the Premier League, the game is too fast and physically he, he almost can't keep up and can't really do too much with the ball. But I think in Europe, he finds it a little bit easier where the pace is a little bit slower maybe. But he was very, very good when he came on. And as you said, I thought Maguire was great too. He's passing out from the back, which hasn't really been a big feature of his game, definitely not as much as we thought it would be anyway, he was very, very good. Got us started on, on a lot of attacks. I didn't think there was anyone who was particularly bad. You know, there are definitely players who had sort of mediocre performances, you know, like Rashford, Fernandes, as we've said, you know, Wan-Bissaka. But I don't think anyone was particularly bad, to be honest. It was it was just one of those games where yeah, the I tell you with um, terrible, but it just didn't come off. Yeah, but Rashford, who who had some, again, missed some passes, uh, missed some shots. Whatever, and and the the one the one big improvement is he's got to be getting into the the back post for where Martial drifts out. Wambasaka put a cross in, and there was no one yep. there, and Rashford could have been at the back post. And um, like Sterling has learned how to do that for City, he can get five ten goals extra a season just by doing that. But Rashford's pass, um, I can't remember who it was to or what even half it was in, whether it was an extra time or or normal time. But there was a Rashford pass, and I think people remember what I'm talking about which was just so incredibly from the edge of his own box and it was so perfectly weighted, so perfectly directed through five or six players. And you just thought that's to, to have that ability as well as all the other abilities he has is, is incredible. And and once he adds the back post to his game, playing from that left position, um, more and more goals will come to him. Yeah, he does need to develop that in his game. You know, just become more of that sort of inside forward role, which I think is what we want him to play rather than staying out wide as an actual winger. And you're right that Sterling has become sort of the prototype for that and it's added so much to his game. Rashford honestly just looks knackered. I think it's, it's the biggest thing. He, he By the end, especially in extra time, he looked like he, he could barely run, you know, and, and you could see when he came off, he was, I mean, he just looked like completely done and, and so tired after that game. I mean, he's played since his injury coming back every single minute yeah. pretty much of, of both the Premier League, the FA Cup, now the Europa League. So it, it's understandable. Um, but we just need need these players to be able to push on for a couple of couple more games. Yeah. I mean I I felt sorry for the players played in that heat because I'm I'm struggling in the heat by myself yeah. walking down the street and it is it is that kind of weather. Thirty one degrees in the evening in Cologne. Um it started off and I think it end the game ended and it was still twenty six or twenty seven at the end of extra time, which is, it's just, it, it is really hot and it is knackering, especially after the season they've already been put through. And the, the interesting part, I think it was, um, I think it was Darren Fletcher was saying on Five Live, who I, I put the Five Live commentary on so I didn't have to listen to BT Sport. And Darren Fletcher was um, talking at half time and saying, 
the the reason it's so bad is because the players have have had you would think three months off when football wasn't being played, but because there was no clarity over where it was coming back, they will have been training every day just as hard as before to make sure that when it did come back, when the government said you could play football, they would be as ready as possible. So in in instead of having kind of a break yeah. halfway through the season, they've actually just going to have two seasons consecutively, and then the Euros will be there, and then we'll play the next season, and then the World Cup, and th- th- it will be a problem, and there will be injuries, and there will be players who whose careers suffer for this. Um, and it's 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 obviously less of a big deal than many other things, but it was an interesting point from from Fletcher. Um, we're we're going to go on to a, a youth roundup, a loan roundup, some transfer news, and then talk about the. Semi-final against Sevilla. Um, quick youth roundup. First, some some loan news. Thies Chong has been heavily linked with Werder Bremen, whose sporting director said they're in talks with United. Uh, Werder Bremen want to sign him on a two-year loan deal, but with no option to buy. That could be a, a great move for Chong to get two proper years, settle down at a German club in the Bundesliga and, and some 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 good action there. Um, before the game against Copenhagen, Solskjaer was asked about his goalkeepers. Obviously, Sergio Romero started against Copenhagen, but one interesting quote, he said he was the most privileged manager in the world because of his goalkeepers and referenced Dean Henderson coming back, which might be nothing, but maybe a hint towards Henderson's future next season. Obviously, Sheffield United want him on loan again. Um, it's been reported that Dylan Levitt is considering a number of options, uh, of loan options for the 2020-21 season. A move to the Championship is most likely, but he hasn't ruled out a move abroad. He was linked with a couple of clubs in the Netherlands in January. His longtime midfield partner, James Garner, is also very likely to go out on loan next season. He had offers in January, uh, I think from Blackpool was one of the ones who he's close to joining to, but he and the club decided to wait and he's now... Uh, Swansea City are the favourites to sign James Garner on loan. Their manager, Swansea's manager, is former England youth coach Steve Cooper, who Garner's worked with before. Another under-23s midfielder, Aliou Traore, the Frenchman. He's only got a year left on his contract, but he may go on loan to French League Two side SM Kane. Um, that loan should be secured soon, and maybe he'll sign an extension before he goes on loan, but maybe not. And uh, the good news relating to the under-23s is that they've been promoted to Division One of Premier League Two on points per game. They were second, but had a game in hand when football stopped and have been promoted so Neil Woodside will be playing in Division 1 next season it will be a really young under 23 side because Garner Levitt Traore are going out on loan Ethan Galbraith may do uh, I don't think Ted and Menke will but Ethan Laird could do um, so you can expect an under 23 side that's basically an under 19s team playing in Division 1 of Premier League 2 uh, which will be interesting Angel Gomez has confirmed his move to Lille um, he's joining Boa Vista on loan Demi Mitchell who left United is on trial at Sunderland Alex Fogetek who left United has been linked with Blackpool uh, a double who left United Joe Riley and George Tanner they've both joined Carlisle Cameron Borthwick-Jackson has joined Oldham and Callum Gribbin has signed for Barrow Athletic Football Club and United's under 23's pre-season schedule has been announced they'll play against Salford Swindon Morecambe uh, Stoke under 23's Macclesfield Town Doncaster Rovers and Everton under 23's um, plenty of, of really good games there and highlights will be on MUTV and the women's team as well have had their first game of the season announced September the 5th or 6th against Chelsea at home we'll see if fans are allowed into that it seems very unlikely right Jack um, semi-final against Sevilla uh, we've got some bad memories of playing Sevilla I was in I, I went to Malaga a couple of weeks ago and my went to a restaurant for one night uh, incredible place I had had bull 
on the recommendation of a waiter, really nice waiter. And uh, I asked where he was from. He said he, he was from Seville, said he was a severe fan and, and had been at Old Trafford when they knocked us out of the Champions League and Mourinho referenced football heritage. Uh, and, and that reminded me of a, a very bad day in the recent history of Manchester United. It, it was a, a sickening blow, that one. Time for time for revenge, um, possibly. Uh, but a, a really big game and... A fair amount of rest, six days, one more day than, than Sevilla will have uh, after they beat Wolves 1-0, um, a late goal. Um, what are you predicting for this? Because Sevilla, a good team, finished fourth in La Liga. They are, and they're kind of the kings of the Europa League too. Um, which I think, is it three yeah. three times they've won the Europa League in the last sort of decade or so? I think um, it, was, it was three in a row, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was right before we won it, wasn't it? I think. Um, yeah, with uh, with Unai Emery before he joined PSG yeah. and then went to Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, it's going to be a tough game, and, and they, you know, they've shown that they have an appetite for big European competitions. As you said, we got knocked out by them in 2018 in the Champions League, um, which I mean was 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 just as much down to how poor United were at that point as well as how good Sevilla were. But they are a good side, <laughs> and they play some good stuff. Like you said, coming fourth in La Liga is no mean feat. And I, I think the thing is, is that this is a big step up from what we've been playing recently. You know, obviously against Lask, we were already 5-0 up. So yeah. we could take it quite easy against Copenhagen. Although we couldn't take it easy. It was a big game. It, the quality of the opposition wasn't, you know, amazing. And I think Sevilla is going to be a big step up. And that can be difficult for a team to deal with that big step up. But I think we've we've shown that we actually kind of prefer these big occasions. And we prefer playing against teams that will attack us a little bit more. My, I guess my one, my one worry is that, you know, I think we are a better team than Sevilla. I, I don't think there's too much controversy around saying that. The problem is that we are not at a level yet where you know consistently that we're probably going to turn up and play at our best every week. You know, you simply don't know with, with the best teams in the world, you know, the thing of City and Liverpool, you know that it, there's a very, very good chance they're going to turn up to that game and play their best. And you just can't say that with any certainty for United at the moment. And it, the problem with playing against a team yeah. like Sevilla is, you know, playing against Copenhagen, we could afford to miss some chances and not play at our best and still come out with a win. You'd be surprised if we could do that against Sevilla. Yeah, yeah, definitely a step up. And, and Copenhagen's tactics were, they're, they're a really good defensive team. And I think they haven't, I think Copenhagen hadn't uh, lost a game or conceded more than one goal in Europe for, for a huge number of games and, and in, in their domestic league as well. And that that was their strength, was defending zonally and, and being really solid at the back. And as it goes, we did create quite a few chances, but yeah. only 1-1-0. One, one, Sevilla will be a different team and they've, they've got some, 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 some variation in their side as well. And, and you'd think they'll be less hesitant to, if, they'll probably give United most of the possession, but they'll be less hesitant to, to counter-attack. And, and Copenhagen, you felt their tactics were very yeah, much... Exactly. Let's see out the first half, and uh, they they obviously had some some really good spells. But then when they were under the cosh, it kind of felt like yeah, let's see out the first half, and then we'll go on the counter in the whatever minute. Um, whereas you, you think Sevilla will be uh, less like that. Um, but Victor Lindelof and Emmanuel Matic both got a rest against Copenhagen. Not a huge rest. Uh, I think they they came on in the the seventy minute mark, um, and because of extra time, that's that's still fifty minutes of football. But they didn't start. Um, I didn't mention Eric Bay actually. He he had a really good game as well against Copenhagen. Blocked a, a, yeah. a few goals um, crucially. Um, so Matic could come back in. Actually, one one thing that I forgot to mention from uh, the Copenhagen game is um, seeing Guillermo Varela, former United right back, playing for them uh, was not a happy memory for me personally. It took me back to uh, B 
being at Old Trafford when we lost to Liverpool in the Europa League a few years ago and Varela getting absolutely skinned right in front of me by Coutinho before he chipped De Gea yeah. at the near post. That was just a bad uh, bad memory that came to, to the surface as well as I was watching the Copenhagen game every time Varela picked up the ball. Yeah, yeah, I was behind the goal in, um, I think I was in, the was that in the Stretford end? I can't remember. I, I, was, I was behind the goal in which Coutinho scored that goal. Um, yeah, that was a, a, a horrible day yeah. at Old Trafford. Um, but yeah, Matic could come back into the midfield and, and that, it's an interesting choice because as you say, Fred and Popper looked looked okay, but Matic would certainly give you more confidence in terms of sitting in, sitting deep and, and, and marshalling that midfield. Yeah, I think I think Matic will probably come in, especially because you'd expect us to have to do a little bit more defensive work. And even though Fred is, he covers the ground well, he's not defensively quite as astute as Matic is. Um, and I think Matic will probably come in for that reason. But I think it, it would be kind of a little bit harsh on Fred because I think he did he played well and him and Pogba looked quite good together. But I, I would expect Matic yeah. to come back. Yeah, uh, prediction? I could see it going past normal time again, honestly. United don't do things the easy way at all. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'll go for... I don't think we've got the legs well, for that. Well, that's, that's fair. I, but I, I just don't know. Again, it's hard because you don't quite know what United team will, will turn up, you know. Um, I'll go for I'll go yeah. for a United win on penalties after a 1-1 oh, draw. I, yeah, I'm not sure I can be put through that. I, I'm going to... To, to counteract that, I'm going to go for more positive. I mean, you could have been more negative and said we're going to go out. And, and to be honest, I, I'm not <laughs> that confident, but I'm going to lie to myself and to, to you listening to this and, and say United 2-1 um, to, to just convince myself that I can be more confident as, as much as I don't believe that. <laughs> um, that is all we have time for. This was, this was meant to be a, a, a quick episode, but... Uh, yeah, there's there's still always a lot to talk about about Manchester United. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And thank you to those who have left reviews on, on Apple Podcasts. There's been loads of you. Um, I always forget to collate your names before we come on this, and, and but I, I'll, I'll note that down and, and do it next time, and then I can thank you um, on the air. Um, but thank you for those of you who have done that. Um, Remember, if you're interested, this this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. You can go to manscaped.com and enter the code UTDWEEKLYPOD. That's P-O-D at the end there. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Um, thanks for listening. For more from us out the week on Twitter, you can find Jack there at... At UTDTAITS, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTDWEEKLYPOD. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy the, the heat wherever you are in the world. It seems to be a overwhelmingly hot kind of, of, of August um, yeah try try not to, to be too annoyed at the sweat and enjoy watching United against Sevilla on Sunday evening see you in a bit goodbye Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.